What's up, everybody? I'm Maddie, and I am finally employed. And I'm Reebs, and I am gearing up for the craziness of the holiday season. And we are the Oh God Podcast. Woo! We are a faith-based podcast for people who are seeking to deconstruct and reconstruct what faith can look like for them um, in a world where we often don't talk about some of the seemingly hard things in the faith world and within church. So um, we grapple with all sorts of topics and try to figure out how we can live a more sustainable, fulfilling um, life within our faiths, within ourselves, and in a community of like-minded people. So welcome, friends, to a faith community that redefines faith in a world that isn't as definitive as the church can often make it seem. Yay! What is up? Okay, honestly, Uh. I really, really feel like we need some kind of merch line that just says, woo, across the front of it. Because I don't know that there has been a single episode where you haven't opened or closed with it. And I love it. It's like my nervous tick of when I don't know what to say. It's like my, it's my ending a conversation. It's my goodbye, like to a thought, you know, like I have to end, I have to sandwich a thought with woos. Um. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm also imagining that in like the most uncomfortable situations ever, mm. right? Like you're in the middle of a super emotional, like heartfelt thing. And you're just like, woo. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, I don't know how to finish her in sentences. So woo is my good transition. I appreciate mm-hmm. that you found one. Thank I you. don't, I'm afraid to find out what mine actually is. I feel oh. like if I listen to enough episodes, I'd probably figure it out. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to figure out how to end a thought, especially after you spend a year not talking to anyone and never ending yes. thoughts. Yes. Yep. And now all of a sudden you have to be a person in the world again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said never ending thoughts and my brain immediately went to never ending story. Do you, <laughs> do you remember that acid trip of a movie? I do. And then I remember the lovely nod that Stranger Things gave it. And I was like, don't bring that back into the mainstream. <laughs> what a weird, weird film. That was like my fifth grade teacher's go-to movie whenever like we were not doing anything or like it was a holiday or whatever. Like I probably watched that movie like six times in the fifth grade and have never watched it before nor since. That is such a, of all the films that you can choose to show Mm -hmm. children, that one, I mean, all right. Yeah. I just like vividly have memories of being out in the trailer because it was like, you know, we were (laughs) poor school. So um, it was like out in this trailer watching never ending stories seemingly seemingly like on just a loop. Wow. I love that journey for you. You know, I didn't. So I'm glad someone (laughs) does. Oh, wow. That's like a recovered memory. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. So tell us about your new job. Oh my gosh. Look at you employed lady. I know. Look at me go. Uh This has been a wild ride. So for those who are unfamiliar, when Reeves and I started this podcast, um, we started both in ministry in the same church. Mm -hmm. So Reeves was leading, or it does lead a college ministry. um, And I was pastoring one of our worship services and kind of hit this point where I was like, you know, I really feel like it's time for me to move on, but I don't know like what this next iteration of ministry is going to look like for me. I just know that like it's time to transition. And so it's been this like months long journey of me like figuring out where I'm going to go and Mm -hmm. then applying for jobs and then interviewing for jobs extensively and then like discerning like what job we were going to take and all these things. And now I am in St. Louis, I am settled and I am the young adults pastor at the gathering, which is a Methodist Woo. church in St. Louis. Um, and y'all it's amazing. Like 
it has been one of those like journeys that I feel like you go through the journey and you have no idea where you're going and it is scary and it is chaotic. Mm -hmm. And you're like, did, should I have quit my job? Was this the right choice? Do I want to be in this field anymore? Like you're asking all of these questions. And then I got there not even on my first day. It was like an event that they had the week before I started that I went to just to start meeting some people. And I like got in my car and was like, Oh my God, talk Mm. about landing in a place that you didn't think existed. Like, yeah. Right now, just super, super excited about it. Everyone there is incredible. I feel like they're asking the same questions that I'm asking. Yeah. Um, It's like real people who are excited about the work that they're doing, but also aren't projecting that like very forced kind of like Christian embodied energy (laughs) that you get in some big churches, you know? Yes. Um, It just has been wonderful. So I'm very excited. Um, And it's a clean slate. Like this, the position that they've got going right now, their goal is to start like really making sure that the things that they're doing are reaching 18 to 35 year olds. Um, and so I get to just kind of have fun and try things, um, which is amazing. Um, amazing for my brain. So like Reeves and I were talking and then I'll stop my tangent, but we were, <laughs> please tangent forever. Oh, I could. Um, we were talking <laughs> about how long it's been since we've had like all of these ideas. And yeah. then I remember just being like, Oh my God, we could do this, 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 and this. And I was like, ugh. Yeah. I finally made it to a place where I feel like I can, I can really run with some ideas. So we're excited by mm-hmm. we, I mean, me and every person in my life who's mm-hmm. had to deal with me being unemployed for the last <laughs> few months. Um, <sighs> and it's amazing. And it's just, I think it, for me, it is absolutely a testament of like trusting that voice that I attribute to be the Holy spirit in the back of your mind. That's like, do this thing. And I'm not going to tell yeah. you what it is. I feel very biblical. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm so happy for you because I know um, I you sent me some voice memos like after that work event and just hearing like the excitement and the enthusiasm after like being in a stage where you didn't know what you were going to do and everything felt very up in the air. And um, it has been cool to see like all of that energy and excitement and ideas like return. So, yeah, I'm so happy for you. It's super lit. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's fun to get to share that with everyone here, too, because I think I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Sometimes when you're talking about faith things, it's hard to figure out what, what that looks like in real time. Yeah. You know, like you read someone at another thing referenced the story of, um, really any biblical story where God says, Hey, you're going to go do this, but I'm not going to give you any context or any idea what you're doing. You're just going to (laughs) go. Yeah. And people do it and you're like, that's insane. But then you see it in your own life and you're like, Oh wait, no, this is like why people do it. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to be able to put that together for myself, but also to do that with y'all. Yeah. It's very, it's been nice. So Mm -hmm. we're, I'm geeked. I'm very geeked. I'm going to be talking about it all the time. Get so excited. Woohoo. Yay. So exciting. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, we recently went to Universal. We did. For the Halloween Horror Nights. We said it and we did it. Look at us go. Yeah. It was awesome. Following through. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I was really nervous. Um, Yeah. Because I don't think either of us are real big, like, haunted house people. No, I'd never been to any sort of haunted house experience. Even though I love, like, scary movies, I'd never mm-hmm. been to any sort of, like, people actively trying to jump out and scare me and me paying for it. And these were, like, what I hoped they would be. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard because, yeah. like, I didn't know what to expect at all. But it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Sometimes you get the ones where they're, like, actually, you think they're going to kill you. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that I want to do that. But these yeah. were, like... You could like walk through film sets. Yeah. It was amazing. So the Hill House one, 
it was incredible. We, I mean, if the wait wasn't two hours by the time we went through, we probably would have gone through like three or four times. Yeah, it was so, so, so good. It was like weird because, I mean, we both, I mean, we're literally about to do an entire episode about how much we love Mike Flanagan. Um, but obviously we love Hill House. We've talked about it a lot on this show and flew all the way to LA just so we could see this one specific haunting like of Hill House, 10 minute house which was yeah. yeah 10 minutes at most um but it was so cool I wanted like so badly to just like walk through really slowly and like capture every detail I tried to take videos but you couldn't see anything because it's like dark which does it's a haunted house but um anyways it was just like so 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 cool and all the little like hidden details mm-hmm. and oh it was fun yeah the oh man I can't even pick what my favorite part is because the way that they had it set up like every room was a different scene. Yes. So you could Ooh, walk through so the good. main scenes. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was incredible. And it was fun. Cause like we went with your aunt and uncle and cousin who none of them had seen Hill house. And so like mm-hmm. getting to see like them kind of get excited and interested about it. And then like Maddie and I hadn't seen a lot of the other things. And like her uncle's really into the, Michael Mike Myers Mike Myers right? yeah the Halloween movies and so that was one of the houses and so he was like really jazzed about that so it was just like really fun all the Halloween like spooky energy yeah it was great mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful day and we got to go to Harry yes! Potter world oh we got to go to Hogwarts that forever I is felt, the coolest place yes. I always feel like when I see people go to Harry Potter world I get a little bit judgmental and I'm like it can't be that cool like part of it's me just like being jealous that I've never been able to go but like it was a little <laughs> bit like oh there's no way it's that like you know it can't be like that magical like it's just like a theme park it was pretty damn magical i'm not gonna lie it was really cool there were many times where i was just walking around like a little teary mouth open like, oh yes. my god something about it was spiritually awakened like i don't <laughs> it was just this like very enlightened it was so fun i don't know it was cool yeah it was awesome mm-hmm. and it got me super fired up for this episode because yes. we are like spending a pretty much this whole time just talking about the general things that we appreciate about mike flanagan in the shows he's produced Mm -hmm. and so disclaimer for this one it it, this is very much like a no notes just conversation so be prepared um just mentally strap in for that yeah and i we also want to put out um this isn't going to be like a spoilers so if you haven't seen hill house Bly manor or midnight mass which we're going to kind of touch on like the why we love each of those. Um, we're not going to spoil anything. This is more a why we think Mike and Mike Flanagan is incredible and says incredible things and just theologizes about like God and life and all those mm-hmm. things super well. And yeah. like why we love it and connect with it so much. Yeah. There will probably <laughs> be future episodes where we break things down because there are so many cool yes. specifics, but this isn't one of them. So don't, yeah. don't flip freak out. Mm-hmm. So this is just kind of a, this is something we love a lot and think that there's a lot of really beautiful theology in it. And we're just going to share some of the, like why we love it and just ramble about it because 90% of our friendship, I feel like is rambling about Mike Flanagan. So that y'all get a front row seat into like most of our conversations. I know. I feel like some people have like their star Wars fans, Marvel fans, Harry Potter fans. No, all this of which is I what we've latched on to. This is, this is my Super Bowl. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely though. I mean, like we blocked off an entire day just to watch like a new season of yeah. like, of just his creation. Yeah. So Mike, if you yeah. want to sponsor us, please, or really just hang out with us. If you wanted to grab okay, lunch, if anyone out there knows even a friend of a friend, of Mike Flanagan. I'm just going to speak it out into the universe. I would love to be even on a zoom call. Yeah. I just love to pick his brain. Yeah. 
hear about his like, life. Like, hear his story and stuff, because I know, like, he um, was, like, an altar boy, right? Uh-huh. And, like, it just, I don't know, his story, I feel like from all the content he's had, I'm like, God, I would love to sit down and just have a conversation about life with yeah. Mike Flanagan. So, we're manifesting that. Mike, if you're listening to this, hi. We love Big you. Big fans. Anyway. <laughs> Before it gets weird. Yeah, okay. Um, so I, I first, like, I didn't even realize that it was him at the time, but the first exposure I had to anything Mike Flanagan was Oculus. Yeah. In high school. Yeah, I didn't know that was him either. And I think he just directed it. I don't yeah. know that it was, but I remember I would watch that in my friend's basement. It was like one of the Netflix scary mm-hmm. movies that you would like put on. And she had one of those basements that was like terrifying and she always fell asleep before the end of the movie. So <laughs> I would always be just staying up like, oh my God, this is so scary. Um, but that was my first kind of exposure to him. And the movie itself, eh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's a good surface level, just scary movie. Yeah, but you like know? the way that he directed it Mm-hmm. made it i think worth watching again yes absolutely totally totally agree yeah i think my first um first exposure to flanagan was um when the hill house series came out i remember vividly it was in college and it was like maybe my senior year i don't really remember but i was really sick i had like the stomach virus and couldn't do anything and so i was home for like two straight days and i remember just like being like, oh, I just kind of want to watch something. So Hill House had just came out, and I was like, you know what? I'll watch it. It looks kind of good, kind of spooky. Um, literally s- sat down and watched it, like, start to finish in, like, one day. And then that was all I talked about for, like, two weeks. I was like, please, someone else in my life watch this show because it's phenomenal, <laughs> and I can't shut up about it. Yes. Yeah. I, so when Hill House came out, I started it, like, two or three times, um, but it was always super late, and I always ended up falling asleep and i was like god i really just want to get through it and so i remember i like picked an afternoon i was like i'll start a couple episodes do some homework it'll be fine binged it that whole day and then called my mom after which is like pretty standard practice for anything i'm like you have to listen to me you birthed me that's in the contract and just started like tangenting about all of the things and i was like i oh my god i'm obsessed with this and so i think like the second conversation we ever had yes it's like what kind of shows do you watch and that was the first one Uh both of us said and we were like oh no yes i knew maddie and i could be friends purely when i found out that she liked spooky things and had seen hill house because that's like my obsession that's one thing i could talk about yeah yeah so starting with hill house because that's the one that's (laughs) like the the og staple kind of he wrote and directed that whole thing what are like three aspects of that show that stick out to you as something that makes it so impactful for you. Oof. Okay. I really love the way that that show walks through like family dynamic, particularly like families experiencing grief or loss or, um, one of the main characters has like a drug addiction. And so just like seeing all the complexities, like there's a lot of different like little struggles that the family is going through. Um, and seeing the way that they all interact with each other and like the imperfections in that, but then the way that like throughout the show, they kind of grow in like empathy and understanding of one another. Mm-hmm. And instead of like, iso- anyway, it's just like the beautiful dynamic family dynamics in that show. Um, definitely a big one. I love the way that like loss and grief are spoken about. There's like a scene in the last like 
30 minutes of the last episode um and i won't spoil like (laughs) what is happening because it's a pretty big spoiler but the way in that scene like it's this whole monologue and literally every time i watch it it brings me to tears because of the way it's talking about death and like remembrance and like loving those who we've lost um literally just like makes me weep i feel like i watch that show and i learn so much more about like connection to others and um walking through grief with people and just like connection to um people around us Mm. yeah yeah i think that was kind of two things but i feel like um those would be kind of the major third i love a good spooky show so Mm -hmm. it just really like is a good there are lots of good like to me it is the spookiest of the shows or like movies of his that i've watched yeah i yes i love all of that i think um Hill House, I agree. The thing that sticks out to me the most in that one is both the the interpersonal relationships amongst the characters yeah. in that story um, and how everyone has their own thing that they're going through. Everyone has their own way of interpreting what happened to them in their life. But it's not until they get to a place where they are like communicating that, that yes. they're able to see the other person. Yes. And to me, like when we think about um, our own like friendships family relationships and even like in this context our relationship to spiritual community it's very easy for us to walk into a space with only our story and assume that that is everyone else's absolutely and that is a big thing especially with like some of like the main characters where like their interpretation of what has happened throughout the course of the show to them is their baseline Mm -hmm. but that's not the reality for everyone else yeah and it causes a lot of issues and i think sometimes um, especially with faith, like we walk into situations and assume that everyone sees this thing the way that we do, has experienced it the way that we have, um, or needs to see it the way that we have. And yes. it's not until we share our story with each other that we actually understand what the heck is going on. Yes. And so that comes up a ton or like the burden of your own ghost. Oh, uh, oh. Uh. The and this they is talk about ghosts and this is like just like a mike flanagan thing right like every yes. show he has this this notion of like the burden of your own ghost the burden of your own past yeah, the things that haunt you and this need to let let go of that part of your story or give it freedom so that you can make a new part yes and like that oh god that comes up in so many things and again like i think sometimes in this space when we're talking about like faith deconstruction reconstruction figuring out where we're going from here there's something about like appreciating the ghosts and the things that we carry with us and the history we carry with us but then being able to set it down so that we can keep moving forward and that comes up in like all of his stuff yes Um, yeah oh i totally agree i love um that notion of this there's this whole theme throughout Hill House specific because it's very related to like it's about the house and the house kind of being the haunted thing. And so there's this whole notion of the walls that we build up and the boundaries we put between like relationship and how we wall ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And um like at the very end of the show, there's this whole line about like how we can like walk together and this idea of like those who walk there walk together, which is like really beautiful. This idea of like opening up and like letting other people within those burdens. And like you said, kind of how we're able to better like process and move forward 
together instead of isolated within all of our own like boundaries, which I think very much relates to faith, right? And like how, I mean, personally, when I was sort of walking through and wrestling with like deconstruction alone, it wasn't until I started like vocalizing I had issues with things that other people were like, oh my God, me too. Or like, this Mm -hmm. is how I saw that. Or this is how like, you know, I feel like I can relate better to faith and like processing within community. Was I truly able to start to like find healing instead of it just being this thing that gnawed at me constantly? Right. Oh, so good. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I think there's also in a lot of his works and it starts in is very prominent in Hill House and is less substantial in Bly Manor, yeah. but still significant of this idea of um, like like personal entrapment. Um, and so there are these like spaces <clears throat> that people can go to that are almost like customizable to them. Like you make the space your, what you appear to need at the time. Um, but nobody else can like see or recognize or Mm -hmm. knows like when you're there. Um, and all of those are unique to the characters. And I don't, to me, that part of the show is also really interesting because it speaks to like the unspoken needs that we have that we don't share with the people in our lives that then can completely entrap us for forever. Yeah. Because we're not being open about like the needs that we have or the things that we're Mm -hmm. like wanting or needing. Mm. It is, I truly could talk. I mean, every time I rewatch it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even recognize that. Um, just like really impactful, I feel like in the way that we can view ourselves in processing um, stories and like listening to other stories and like having having empathy. It's just yeah, such a good one. God, yeah. So then Blind Manor rolls around, Woo! right? Like right after. Now I will say, I feel like I am an outlier mm-hmm. <laughs> in that I I uh, I don't want to say that I prefer Blind Manor over Hill House because mm-hmm. I think I love them both equally for what they are. Bly Manor is the one that I could watch forever because Mm -hmm. it is the way that it's set up is more cohesive. Like in Hill House, the main characters are the characters that you follow and some of the ghosts are related, but not all of them are. Mm -hmm. And in Bly Manor, all of the ghosts are directly linked to the way in which the characters interact with each other. Mm -hmm. So you get a more cohesive storyline. I feel like in Bly Manor, um, but that one, to me, the biggest theme that I see in that that I so appreciate is this idea of like love and possession yeah. within relationship and how true, true love of any person in any form doesn't require you to feel as though you possess them. There's a freedom to that, yeah. right? A freedom to make your own choice, um, which I mean could go a hundred different ways when you're talking about Mm -hmm. spirituality and what that looks like in your everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, um, yeah, I feel like we balance each other out and like, I feel like I could watch Hill House all the time. Um, you feel like you could watch Bly Manor all the time. I have not seen Bly Manor nearly as much. I think I've watched it through twice, but I rewatched like in preparing for this, I went back and rewatched like the last three episodes. And I think where I struggle with that show is, um, it like to me it's a little less not that Hill House is like super happy but like the relationships in Bly Manor are very more like much more complicated because it, there is like this level of darkness of that theme of like love versus possession right. which I think that just like really bums me out so I think that's more why I don't like it as much as I'm just like oh that makes me so sad because there is just like this 
Mm, I feel like there's a lot more heartache in terms of like where the character relationships go versus Hill House where it feels like a little bit more like, I don't know, the family kind Mm -hmm. of sorts it. You're following one family and it kind of sorts itself out and it ends in this very like positive place of them kind of banding together. Whereas Blaine Manor, there's a little bit more grief in. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that's what makes it. I would argue that's almost what makes it better in some, well, not better, but like more intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything doesn't always wrap up so perfectly yeah. at the end. And there's this element in Bly Manor of, so you have a ton of different kinds of relationships from romantic to platonic. Each of them have their own dynamics that toe that line between love and possession right and that comes up a ton where for some people this idea of love means that like you are entirely mine and literally like embodying that and then on the flip side there are some that are so there's so much freedom that that freedom almost invokes a sense of grief because people have the the ability to choose but i think that to me points a lot back to like what how we kind of process our spiritual relationship to like god is this difference between like when i think of who god is is that relationship something where i feel as though um i am possessed like i am a possession of gods yeah or one where i feel as though there is a complete freedom for me to exist and that might mean on my end or god's end that there's going to be grief in that choice yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like one um, that just made me think of the fact that like, even within our relationships to certain like religious communities, how things could toe that line between yeah. like love and care and like possession of someone, mm-hmm. you know, so like spaces that feel maybe more like restrictive or like holding control over you instead of like giving you freedom, which I think is interesting to think about and like pretty mm-hmm. relevant to like, um, yeah just deconstruction spaces or people who have experienced like church trauma or um being in spaces that didn't allow them to fully be and -hmm. instead just like asserted control yeah Hmm. yeah i think um because i do love 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 blind manor do not get me wrong i think i like to be scared and to me that show feels less scary less there's not as many spooky ghosts it's less jump scary yeah for sure it's more psychologically scary I think that's almost why I prefer it Mm -hmm. is like a a good jump scare is like, it's good. But one that you sit with for forever and you're like, oh, and then you like see it pop up in places that to me is almost like it's a different kind of spooky. Yeah. But it's like the yeah, that Mm -hmm. that I really love. But I think in that one, too, there's also this element of um, like love is sacrifice as well. Yeah. And so I think when we come back around to talking about that series specifically, there's a lot for us to unpack in that Yeah, because there's this interconnectedness of ghosts that exists. That's very interesting as Mm -hmm. well. But that one to me, the like big theme that I always pull from it is the, that there is a distinct difference in any relationship between a loving relationship that allows autonomy and freedom and choice and a relationship that feels restrictive because of the restrictions we place on ourselves, and the relationships that is restrictive because of the possessiveness that is placed upon us from others and learning how to 
discern what's happening amongst each of those and what that means for the relationships around us because all of them are also interconnected yeah so yeah there's a ton but i think um spiritually it also points back to if i were to evaluate my relationship with god in the same way i'm evalu- evaluating the relationships of these characters what is my interpretation of that yeah and is there something that i can learn from the other stories also yeah Absolutely. I feel like um, one thing I had totally forgotten about because I haven't watched it nearly as much um, is just this idea of like denial and avoidance of like some of the issues that are going on in Mm. your life or like the inability to recognize maybe like where you're problematic or like where. Yeah, just denial in general, Um, especially like in the last couple episodes, there's this whole like running theme of sort of like facing up to the things Mm -hmm. instead of like being like. I don't know, stuck or like tucked away in the area in like pleasant memories or this idea of like being um, like avoiding things by being stuck back in the way things were, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, How like through admitting and like facing up to sort of the reality of the situation, you can like move forward and find maybe a more like healthier way or like find a way to move forward instead of staying stuck back in like those specific things and like denying or... Um, yeah. Refusing to face up to things. Yeah. Which I think from a, a theology perspective, to me, it speaks a lot to even our understanding of what repentance actually is. Right. Like, I mean, and again, this is something we talked about earlier. Like sometimes we have these big church words and we throw them around and that's fine because we're using them correctly, but it's hard to contextualize what that looks like in your everyday life. And in this case, when you talk about something like that, like it's really this moment of like stopping and assessing and recognizing like, yo, the way that I've been treating these people or these situations or whatever, like is not, is no longer going to work. And it hasn't really been working. Like it's been causing a lot more damage and rather than remaining so, so stubborn and set in where I am that it continues to invoke like generational harm Yes, um, that I can stop, pause, reflect, make a change, apologize and move forward in a new way and see life on the other side of that. And that's what that is, you yes. know? And so you also, I think in putting it that way, like watching the show, you can see that play out in real time and then go, I wonder what that looks like in my own life. Um, without it feeling like this big spiritual woo thing in the clouds that you like, you have no idea how to visually conceptualize. Yeah. Okay. That made me think of like several things. I think that there's like also this idea of sort of, um, they make a distinction, um, because in the, in the beginning of the series, it's like, this is a ghost story. And at the end, there's like this correction of like, I think that this is actually a love story. And I feel like that can like, when we think of that in terms of like sort of our lives and our stories, like thinking back to those things that kind of like haunt us or like those experiences that happen to us and looking through them as like this different lens of like, I don't know, the stories of like love or the stories that kind of like build us, which I think is really interesting of like Mm -hmm. that distinction between a ghost story and the things that haunt us and like a love story, like the things that really like build us and bind us and connect us, Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting. Um, I just love that distinction a lot. This idea of it not being a ghost story, but it being a love story. Um, Especially if we think of that idea of like redeem, like once those things are redeemed and we're like, okay, no, I'm facing up or I'm admitting to these things. Like, how does that change the narrative of whether it's something that haunts you or whether it's something that kind of like, I don't know, Mm. moves you forward, I guess. 
I also, as you were saying that, it made me think of the idea that, that maybe they're not polarizing, right? Like ghosts in yeah. love. I think even in the way that they present that line, um, there's this interesting opportunity to either see them as something that balance each other out yeah. or as something that overlap. Yeah. And that That's like there point. can be like love in the ghost too. Yes. Because of the fact that those are the things that propel you to be better on the other side of mm-hmm. them. Um, but you have to deal with them first. Yes. And so then, I mean, again, another thing we were talking about earlier is like the notion of like transformation. And we say that in spiritual spaces a lot, right? That like, we believe that God can transform, Jesus can transform, Holy Spirit can transform. Um, but what does transformation actually look like? And I think if you think about ghosts in love being separate, then you see a, a pathway, right? Of dealing with your ghosts, growing in love, whatever. And if they overlap, it's also an appreciation of both. But in, in that whole thing, the transformation that ends up happening in both stories is this acknowledgement of a ghost, yeah. the processing of that thing, and then moving forward in a new way. Yes. Um, and that is the transformative thing. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. And like, uh, I just love, I feel like in all of Mike Flanagan's creation so it always comes back to this idea of loss and grief because he deals so much with ghosts so there is literally a lot of death but um this idea of like living on in someone's memory or like keeping people alive in the way that like we think of them like in staying alive in the memory of those who loved us and I feel like that really ties in with this idea of like ghosts and love being this thing that overlap of like sort of I don't know, re reimagining the way that like we think of certain things that like haunt us or like accepting those things and like moving forward. And there is still a lot of loss and grief when we lose a loved one, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just, it's, it's a complex like thing, but it doesn't have to all be like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And remembering that he, I mean, he was Catholic, right? Yeah. I, yes. I, I believe he's an altar boy. So, yeah. so you have that element to it, but even, you know, in some Protestant spaces, like we celebrate all saints day or whatever, and this like interesting conversation in church around our relationship to loved ones who have passed, mm. um, or ancestry and this idea, um, that comes up in both of these, which is like the way that time actually works and our yes. relationship oh, to love the ghosts that are around us and how they can overlap because some are operating out of a place of love more than, mm-hmm. um, you know, other spaces and how there's a, a thing that comes up a lot around this notion of like being gone doesn't necessarily mean that you're gone. Mm-hmm. And so even when we're talking about like grief in our own everyday lives and spiritually, how do we engage with that? Remembering that like there is this hope of something beyond that while we might not be able to always see or tangibly touch or connect with our loved ones yeah. in this in this particular realm, that they're not just gone. Yes. And so that is like a beautiful thing that comes around quite a few times as well, which I know we just celebrated All Saints Day. Um, and, you know, there's a very beautiful connection to the saints within Catholicism. Um, and that's something that comes around a lot too, is like you can still engage in relationship with these loved ones because time isn't linear and you know, spiritually, you still have something to engage and connect to. Yeah, which very much ties into um, when we were talking about heaven in our afterlife episodes, um, this idea of the everyone or like constantly being connected like to God, to like, you know, other 
And so like being connected like all throughout time because like time isn't necessarily linear. And so just this idea of like, I think in Hill House and even in Bly Manor, there's this idea of like time kind of being confetti and it's like all kind of like at once or like happening at like different times. Um, we even kind of like reference The Good Place where it talks about Jeremy Barramy and mm -hmm. how it's like all kind of like loops around and comes back. And there's also this notion in like the Flanagan content about like what does it mean to be like alive and awake and like mm. you know can we live things through memory or things like that so this idea of like you know if we're if we're remembering someone or um dead doesn't necessarily mean gone and so like what does that look like yeah mm -hmm. yeah and so that's just the hill house stuff yeah um and there's so many layers to that which is just the way that he writes things is so interesting mm -hmm. i will say um thinking about midnight mass if we were to shift yes. gears into midnight mass i would do acknowledge because i don't totally disagree with it that one of the critiques of midnight mass is that it's very monologue heavy mm. the monologues i think are beautiful yes but it is very monologue heavy compared to hill house or blind manor where things are more woven into conversations in a way that feels like it makes a bit more sense yeah um so just know that going into midnight mass that yeah. like you're going to be like, what is going on? And there are monologues, but the things that he says, I think are so substantial in those that I, I'm glad that they're there. Yeah, absolutely. I also feel like if you don't like ghosts, midnight mass is your best way to go. Like it's still, it's intense. It's more of like a, like thriller or just right. like, there's a lot of action, but there's not any ghosts. So it is not a like really jump scare i think there was maybe like what one one or two yeah and even then like retroactively not that scary um whereas like hill house definitely would be like the most chilling like if you don't like ghosts you probably shouldn't watch hill house though i do have like one or two friends who i finally broke down and they did watch it and loved it but i would say hill house is probably the most like terrifying by manner i also feel like you can watch even if you don't love ghosts because mm -hmm. after like the third episode there aren't really any super intense scenes so if you can get through those first like three you're yeah. probably golden yeah yes so midnight mass is like the most overtly religious like the premise yes. of the show oh, is so religious good. um and that one is just saturated with just like god i mean intense theological points all throughout the whole yes. thing there was actually um i'm really bummed i missed it because i ended up having something come up there's a group of pastors that i'm a part of that mm -hmm. had a whole zoom call to break it apart the yes. other night because it's just so good but this one i think points the scary element to me in midnight mass which i think is so beautifully done is the slow progression of of playing on the religious trauma anxiety that yes. exists in engaging with the church right yeah because you like start it and you're like oh, okay oh okay okay and then all of a sudden you're like what when did yes. we switch gears and the way that that's written into how it's done i think is super accurate mm -hmm. and super well done to see it played out on a screen yeah i feel like it's it kind of is this big commentary on like religion and grief and particularly like religious fanaticism almost or like extremism mm -hmm. or just like this idea of like how easily which it was to me it was so terrifying because it was like I know those people and yeah. those spaces like how terrifying that those things actually happen in real life and like there are some like supernatural elements to it but like it was chilling because I was like this happens um, right and just this idea of sort of like 
yeah, religious fanaticism and kind of getting like swept into things and believing that like some people are better or more called or like than others. And, um, it was so beautiful. I genuinely think that like every church space should somehow like watch it and talk about it because it, it, it just like has such beautiful commentary on faith and all that that can encompass. And some like really interesting commentary, I think on the relationship between churches that orient themselves around Jesus and churches that orient themselves around Paul. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I have seen come up a lot lately that I'm trying to like interject myself into the conversation because I think it's very interesting and there's a lot to learn about how as faith leaders we can teach Pauline texts. So like things that are attributed to the Apostle Paul, right? Because he takes up so much of the New Testament So many of the things that are argued for or against theology points in churches relate to something that Paul has written at some point. He gets 90% of the spotlight outside of Jesus. And there are some times where you're talking to someone and you're like, are we more invested in what Jesus is calling us to or Paul, who did not have a direct living relationship with Jesus who like that was a big critique of Paul from some of the apostles, right? That he had this on the road encounter and that was how he flipped. But he also led a mass genocide of Christians and then suddenly decided he was doing something different. Like there's a lot of layers to Paul. He's an interesting dude. And a lot of the theology you find in places is based around his writings or attributed writings Mm -hmm. more so than Jesus's. And what comes up a lot in this show, I think, which is that complicated relationship between the things that we attribute to Jesus that may or may not be Jesus. Yeah. And if it is Jesus, what does that mean? And if it's not, what does that mean? And I think that comes up a ton as well. Ooh, is yes. The, it's like, the who critique. are you serving? Or like, yeah. what God are you serving? Is that God? Yeah. Oh, is chilling. It, is it God? Is it you? Yes. Is it someone else that you're attributing mm-hmm. this to? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, a conversation that happens at one point in the show that I think encapsulates this well. And I promise this is not a spoiler. Um, but it's listening to the way that the dialogue happens. You have two people with opposing thoughts on this, right? Mm -hmm. So one person is talking about how like we're following you and the other person, they're like talking over each other. And the other guy's like, yeah. So when we do this because God told us to, and how just like dissonant that is. Yeah. And how often that comes up where you, I mean, you look at like, even like the Mars Hill podcast or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Where you're talking about faith leaders and how people get sucked into following that leader and completely lose sight of Jesus in the process. Yes. Um, and that just, yeah, that comes up a ton. It, oh God, it's so good. It is literally, we sat on this very couch where we're recording right now <laughs> and just like mouths open of just like, it was so mind blowing in its like accuracy of how churches can get so like off message. And the thing that was so like beautiful to me, there was this whole community of like the people that weren't allowed or welcome within the church walls. And they end up being the ones to kind of like, it just is like this really beautiful commentary on like who actually is God using Mm. and the people that think that they are following God, like being the ones that are doing the most harm. It was just, oh gosh, so beautiful. Definitely watch it. Watch Um, it, watch it, watch it. And then we'll all talk about it. (laughs) It will be so great. One of the other appreciations I have about Mike Flanagan, um, and he has mentioned this in some of his interviews around these three shows specifically, but even with Midnight Mass, which he wrote before he came out as like just overtly naming himself as an atheist, Mm -hmm. um, is that he 
writes from this place of, of experience and it's something everyone can connect to. Yeah. And it points back to what I find to be really valuable, which is the significance of the stories that we have to share with one another. Yeah. I think, um, in, in developing a faith journey at all, I am a very big, like huge proponent um, that everyone needs community, not because you need to be around a group of people who are going to just tell you what you believe, but because we are story people mm-hmm. and there's value to hearing the stories of other people and interpreting your own story using the lessons and the empathy you might've gleaned from someone else's in order to see yourself and God in the world in a new way. And I am a sucker for a good show that leads you to view your own story in a different light because of the way that you interpret it. And I think that's something he does really well. He, he tells and paints this story based out of his own experience that you can buy into because of your experience. And then you get to the end of the show and you're like, I totally relate to that. Yeah. And you've left me with a hundred things to consider. And that was so valuable. And I'm going to be different because I watched it. Yes, absolutely. I feel like I watched that show and was like, wow. Like I, we literally both were like, oh my gosh, that is the most like spiritually connected I've felt in a minute. Like just insane, like revelations while watching it and feel, um, just the way that it talks about like connectedness, like to the divine or like to each other. But it's, it's so interesting how he creates these stories that we can connect to so deeply. I think Mm -hmm. that is the essence of what I love about those shows is I always come out processing these really difficult, like I always weep. I always end up weeping watching something that, or rewatching because it's just so potent because he's talking about these ideas of connectedness and relationship and death and grief. And that's something that like everyone, whether you've lost someone, you've experienced grief. Um, so just like these ideas of how do we process these life events and, um, midnight mass being through the lens of like religion and like pain that can come through that space and beauty that can like just, uh, chef's kiss. Yeah. So beautifully mind blowing. I think everyone should watch midnight mass. Yes. And just in general, like this is another tangent that I'm happy to (laughs) to jump on. Whether it's, you know, you find a writer and a director that speaks to you in the way that like Mm -hmm. we connect to Mike Flanagan stuff or, um, you know, Lucifer, I recommend to everyone to watch The Good Place. place, Um, Like any any place that has a storyline that you can buy into that you can connect with someone else through watching. I think that's one of the things I appreciate the most about TV and movies and media and just story as a whole. Um, because I think it also helps us place value on our own experiences. And even if you never watch any of these shows, um, what I hope conversations like this can do either like through watching the show and talking about it with someone else or hearing people share their story through the lens of a show or a medium that is relatable to someone else. Um, hopefully it serves as an affirmation that like your story matters yeah, and the stuff that you have experienced is valuable and is something that someone else can connect to. Um, cause sometimes I think, especially when it comes to processing our relationship to religion and spirituality and new things we want to try, but we don't really know if it's okay or questions that we have or whatever, like we're operating sometimes as though we're on an Island all by ourselves, Um, because we, lack the common language to share our story with other people and shows like this give that common language to be able to connect. Um, 
And so, you know, I encourage you to like, think about parts of your story that someone else might relate to and just kind of see if there's a way to connect with someone else through sharing that with them or yeah. sharing like small pieces of that. Um, yes. cause that's part of the process of everyone feeling a little less alone is Ugh. getting to the place where we can like, yes, swap that with each other. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Sharing experience, grieving with people, walking with people. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. I think that that is just so beautiful. Yeah. Highs, mm. joys, celebrations, lows, yeah. all of it. And that's one of the things that he brings up in all of his works, yeah. but that you see in a lot of other stories as well that are like commonly shared, even thinking about um, like the way that Ted Lasso was just taken off. Right. Mm -hmm. And how Which I so still haven't people, seen, but I need to, but it looks good. I got to find an Apple ID login. I know, same. <laughs> but even the snippets that I've seen, I'm like, oh my God, this was amazing. And it's because it speaks to something universally that all yeah. of us want to say to each other. And we haven't found the common language to do that. Yes. And I think there's space in spiritual conversation for the church to be that place yeah. when you find a place that knows how to speak that same language, right. if that makes yes. sense. I mean, like the Bo Burnham, <laughs> like we both yeah. watched that and I had to go home and sit and journal and process because there was something about listening to him sing like goofy songs, but then like also really tragic like bits about like mental health during quarantine and like connectedness and like how to be better humans. Like there is so much like power that can happen through like random sources of media. Like I am a sucker for Grey's Anatomy. And I know that that like in part makes me a garbage human, but <laughs> I, we love our Grey's Anatomy Shonda fans. Just can make me weep watching a random episode of Grey's Anatomy. Listen, so I'm like that with vampire diaries. Yeah, so we're not even going to yes, judge. Right. So just like sitting and processing, like what did that bring up? Like, why was that so impactful for me? Like, how does that speak to like the human experience or something I'm processing through? And like, there is so much power through you know, seemingly like binging because I am so guilty of just sitting and like watching and watching, watching, but then like maybe taking the time to like process, like, what mm -hmm. is it? Like, why do I have a fixation on the office? What is it about that show that like, I don't know, but like, what is it about that show that like speaks to why I can't or like Grey's Anatomy, why I can't put it down? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And the connection that can come from sharing that, like literally the, the fact Hill that our House. friendship I mean, is based it, off yes. of. I mean, we were literally already talking about getting matching like Hill House tattoos. He, 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 <laughs> so, he, he. Yeah. But it, I mean, it, I, I, yeah. And I think especially when we talk about reconstructing faith. Yeah. So much of that is just getting comfortable sharing where you've been and tracking on where you're going and finding places where you can just be honest. Like I, I think one of the things that I've seen get better in certain church spaces, but also struggle in others is this ability for people to walk in and just be honest about how they feel and if they agree or if they disagree yeah. and to leave and to still know that th that that place is there. Absolutely. Right. Playing back on this idea of like love and possession. Like, can I show up authentically as myself and mm. choose to be here or do I have to conform like and lose a piece of myself yeah. in order to be here? And like all of those things are things that you can find in the media that is around you. And oh, it's one of the things also that I get super <laughs> fired up. Okay. When I'm talking to people about not even just shows or TV, but even social media mm -hmm. and the, the power of that tool, like, yes, it's a pain in the butt to have to learn all the new algorithms and how everything changes and whatever. 
but there's something to being able to hop on an app and see someone who looks like you name something and connect to them through that. And the hope that that gives people in the most basic things. Yes. When you choose to be authentic with it, right? right? Like that, like, yes, there's just something so glorious about seeing other people being vulnerable and sharing stories, whether it's like, Hey, I really struggled to get out of bed. You know, like it can be the smallest things, but they give this level of connection and like hope and like, Hey, I also do that. Right. Yeah. So in all of that, A, this is our shameless plug to go watch all three of those shows as you have time and tell us what you think, because we love to talk about it all the time. And in doing that, share with us like what theological overlaps or religious or spiritual points you see show up because I feel like every time we talk to someone else there's a new point that pops up that makes it fun to go back and rewatch and like see how that plays out um but then the other part to to this is to find ways to look at your own story and see if there's any anything that you can learn about how to continue moving forward maybe through the lens of some of these shows because I think that they're a valuable tool in that way as well so like are there parts of your story that you could share with someone else to form connection? Are there parts that might need healing in order for you to move forward, Mm -hmm. releasing in order for you to move forward? What does that need to look like? Um, you know, what boundaries need to be set so that Mm -hmm. you can exist in a space of love through choice and not love through, you know, like what might all of that look like for you? Um, a little homework, a little journaling assignment. I love that. That's good. That's really good. Uh, wow. Well, this is fun. I love, yeah. I love mm-hmm. look out for like 20 more episodes like this as we yes. move forward and decide <laughs> to just break down, um, show mm-hmm. by show. Yeah. Uh, man, this was really good. Um, friends, thank you so much for listening, um, for doing the good work that you are doing. And if you like what you hear, if you enjoy this show, please share it with people who you think could also benefit or give us a good old, rating on iTunes and leave us a little review. Those things go such a far way to help us connect with other people who are looking to find, um, a new experience. Yes. And we also have some stuff coming like down the line over the next couple of months as we approach our one year and those sorts of things. Um, so be sure to also follow us on Instagram at Oh God pod. Mm -hmm. Keep an Um, eye out. And be following along for sure, because we're going to have some updates, some giveaways, some stuff coming up that you definitely don't want to miss. Yes. Uh, And they will all be housed specifically on our Mm -hmm. Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Sweet. We love you. Have such a great rest of your week. Um, And as you watch these shows, shoot us some messages because we want to hear what you think. Woohoo. Okay. Bye. Bye. Maddie and Reeves are both faith leaders, and the following conversation reflects their standings and beliefs, not those of their place of employment.